You're listening to Se Ves Escucha, Seen and Heard, a language justice podcast for worker owners of cooperatives, members of collectives, una bola de comadres who interpret together, people in interpreting crews, freelance interpreters, and everybody else. Se Ves Escucha is a project of the Center for Participatory Change. I'm Ada, and with me today are Jose Eduardo Sanchez of Antena Houston, Rocio Quintero of Sensontle Language Justice Co-op and Tony mm -hmm. Macias of Tilde Language Justice Cooperative. Hola, compas. Hola. 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 <laughs> um, I'm so happy to have the three of you on the podcast today. And I think that the listeners are going to be super excited about this episode. I think that there's a lot of curiosity around interpreter co-ops, collectives, crews, uh, different ways that folks are doing this uh, work. And so I'm really, really interested in uh, talking with the three of you. Um, yeah. And I'm very, very glad that you all are on the podcast. Um, entonces, I'm going to ask you all to tell us about your co-op or your collective. Yeah, I'm Jose Eduardo, and I'm coming from Houston, and we have this super dope, awesome collective called Antenna Houston. It's five of us right now. We're, we're super excited. We've actually grown, uh, almost doubled over the last couple of years, and we started off officially founded in 2015, but... You know, I feel like there were so many different iterations and, and like versions of Antenna Houston before we actually sat down or and, and said like, oh, this is what we are. This is the, you know, we're calling ourselves this, you know, this is who's going to be in it. And I think that, um, you know, over the last couple of years, all of that stuff has been in constant motion and changing and, and evolving. But, you know, we're a dope crew of five folks who support each other, who trust each other who cheer each other on and who are really committed to bringing language justice to uh, not just the city of Houston, but uh, also in, in collaboration with everyone else on this podcast and, and throughout mm -hmm. the region, just really uh, to do this work as far and wide as we can. Well, uh, I am Rocio Quintero from Sensantle Language Justice Cooperative uh, based in Asheville, North Carolina. And we are 10 worker owners, um, nine women and one man. And we do interpretation, translation, consultation. Um, we mostly do Western North Carolina, but we've, uh, we're also all over the East Coast. Um, and we are super excited to be here. Thanks for having us. This is Tony Macias with Tilde Language Justice Cooperative and... Um, We are currently five worker owners, but we're bringing on three more people right now. So mm -hmm. we're also expanding. And it's just so exciting to hear how big our sister co-op Sensontle has gotten and to hear that Antenna is growing as well. And this whole idea of having going through different iterations, different mm -hmm. versions, I feel like is so true for us too. When we tell our story, people are like, well, it was like eight years ago. We first sat down and thought, mm -hmm. we're lonely. Let's work together. Mm -hmm. And then... We didn't meet again, and then we did, and then we finally coalesced, and it wasn't until the end of last year when we submitted the official paperwork saying we are now an official business. And, and boy, are we trying to learn fast because there's so much oh. more to learn once you're running a business together. Mm -hmm. But um, I do, I do, I also want to just echo what Rocio was saying that I, to me, the way I think of it is I think language justice is really having a moment right now, mm -hmm. a really exciting moment, right? 
Right. And, and the way we know totally. that is because everywhere we go, people want to mm-hmm. throw around language justice versus yeah. language access. And folks are really curious. And, and, and there's work, paid work out there that we're finding. And so many people are hungry for it. I think we'll have to see where it takes us. And I'm excited about all the directions it's going in, directions I don't even know about. But the one exciting direction that I feel I know a little bit more about is this new expression of language justice in the form of cooperatives and crews. People are like, okay, let's get organized. And that's mm-hmm. really exciting yeah. to me. Uh, so, Tony, what is it like to be part of Tilde? Like, what's your crew like? Our crew is uh, Bola de Rucos. No, not really. We're not all. <laughs> There's like, I'm going to be in so much trouble. There's, um, we uh, have all been working in nonprofits and social mm-hmm. movements for a long time. And we found our way into language work. And a lot of us, some of us knew we were going there and some of us didn't quite until we got here. And now it's like, oh, we love language work. So one thing I'll say is when we look around the room, we never question the fact that we all want to be there because we love the work itself. And uh, I feel like for some of us, like Tilde is having a lot of internal meetings because we're building Mm. the ship as we sail it, you know, and there's so much, so much left to do always in building ourselves up into what we want it to be. But then also being a part of Tilde is being out in community at interpreting events and trainings. It's sending emails about translations. I send about, Mm. I feel like five emails a week explaining to people what translation is and how to do it. Mm -hmm. And, And I'm excited about that, but it's a bit repetitive. And yeah, that's us communicating what language work is. And that's like how language justice happens is through language work. So within Tilde, we're always nerding out. We're always meeting, trying to figure out all the in the weeds. We have like a hand signal or something like this where we wave our hands like, you're in the weeds, you're in the weeds, step out so we can get this meeting done and go to the next thing. I think we really enjoy each other, but we also are, you know, always trying to figure out how to do it all. I don't know how y'all can relate in 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 sense only. Doesn't it feel like, there's always so much to do and achieve and not enough time to yeah. do it in. For yeah. sure. For sure. Story of our <laughs> do, do all of you do both um, translation and interpretation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. With Antenna, I, I would say with Antenna Houston, though, it's probably like 85, 15, like 85% interpretation and about 15% translation. Yeah. Um, and Jose Eduardo, will you tell us a little bit like what's it? What's your crew like? um yeah so i mean there's something that common thread that tony mentioned about like most of us coming from a background Mm -hmm. in organizing in social justice movements right and always kind of you know one way or another being thrown into being interpreters being thrown into translating or you know or or bringing that to the work and so i think that that's that's a common thread i've heard not just with folks on this on on this podcast but i feel like Mm -hmm. so many of our language justice compas that like have that background but but at the same time you know we um we're definitely like we love being artsy we mm. love being like you know that that's something that's actually i don't think it was ever intentional but just because of the people that came together um that that is that is something that's really important right like this piece around um you know jp has their aesthetic practice we have folks who you know have background in theater and performance. And so I think that's also really cool to kind of like both bring it into to the work that we do, but there are some times where we actually do get jobs to like interpret theater performances mm-hmm. or interpret mm-hmm. poetry wow. reading or, you know, help like, you know, a museum translate their entire, uh, you know, their ent- entire exhibition work. So we love when those little dots connect, but, but that's also just part of like, 
um, how we also relate to each other and to the work that we do. Mm-hmm. And Rocio, what would you say, like what describes Sensontle? Like what makes Sensontle, Sensontle and, and Unico and like what's the vibe like? We're badass women. <laughs> Somos chingonas. Uh-huh. Yeah. Chingonics. Um, yeah. We're all very hard workers. Um, we, we were also kind of like in the social movement mm-hmm. and nonprofits. And that's how we also found our way. Um, we were very passionate and we wholeheartedly show up. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes us um, very uh, distinguishable. Um, we were just we're as you said um tony like we're just flooded with work Mm -hmm. all the time um i don't know what like the breakout would be between interpretation and translation but we're doing a lot of both Mm -hmm. um and consulting as well i mean there's just a lot of awesome work happening around us and and we're so glad to be a part of it and um yeah that's that's who we are So Sensontle and Tilde are formal cooperatives, LLCs, worker owners. Uh, Antena Houston is a collective. Um, So I'm going to ask you all some questions, like some like nitty gritty questions about like your co-ops and collectives. So I want to know how you all, um, uh, no sé cómo se dice en inglés, cómo se reparten el trabajo. So José Eduardo, like in Antena Houston, how do you uh, split up the work? So uh, one of the things that we do is that we actually um, rotate every month, right? So every month there's a coordinator who, um, you know, takes over like checking the, the email requests, um, doing communications with, with partners, with clients, um, you know, and, and so I, I think that for us has worked really well because a lot of the folks in the collective, um, you know, might have other like full-time jobs or, or other like several other projects that they're part of too. So that allows us to um, all take a turn at, at, you know, taking on that role of learning how to negotiate rates, learning how to, uh, you know, have difficult conversations with clients, learning how to recruit certain people for certain gigs, et cetera. Uh, but at the same time, we also get that break, um, you know, to continue doing the other work. And even though there's one coordinator per month, like we're always supporting each other. We're always like, hey, you know, this week's really hard. Does someone else want to jump in right now? Like, oh, hey, like, you know, this seems like that that would really be up your alley. Like, here, te lo voy a mandar. And so that kind of stuff has been really cool um, in terms of, you know, being able to take on the division of labor. I also think that some of us, you know, are more, uh, like, we have someone who on our on our crew on our collective like Mario Genia like they are super awesome and they made our mm-hmm. you know our world famous <laughs> sound covers right so yes. I think we also have different each of us has like different skills that aren't necessarily like you know like it could be you know being able to design and and, and fabricate different tools it could be maybe someone's like more into spreadsheets and someone's more mm. into um, making like tote bags and swag and stuff like that. So I think that's always, that door is always open, just depending on like folks' interest and, and time and, and ability to do that. How is it different in the in the co-ops or is there, yeah. Yeah, for us at Sensontle, um, we right now have coordinator roles. Um, we haven't really specified like how long of a duration that role is. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the idea of like monthly rotation, but um, right now we um, had like three people coordinating um, the three departments and just recently had a shift in that. And it's also kind of, well, for different reasons, but it's also that we also want everybody to learn the positions in case someone, you know, is uh, 
like not able to hold um, the work for a certain period of time or, you know, whatever happens in life. Um, everybody should be able to know what's going down with the business um, as a whole. So right now that's what we're doing, coordinators. Do you charge um, different clients different rates? And if so, why? <laughs> I will say that we have a sliding scale that we use. And I also just want to express a lot of thanks to Sensantle. Sensantle, y'all got there first on so many things. Mm. And you shared all that with us, which is what co-ops are supposed to do. They're supposed to share knowledge. And I've been hearing from Antenna too, but it's a slightly different model. But our sliding scale, you know, we looked at Sensantle's sliding scale and we looked at your coordinator job descriptions and your model. And we're using a similar thing that works for us, but we really started with y'all stuff. And it's so mm-hmm. amazing. Even our um, our bylaws are based on Sensantle's bylaws. They're 90% similar, I would say. So where would we be without y'all? Mm-hmm. I don't even know. So thank you so, so much. The sliding scale thing is an interesting question because, you know, it's not that we're not transparent about it. We have set rates mm-hmm. for our translation per word. We have pretty much set rates for our billable hours for consulting or for t- holding trainings. And there's also just clients that came in paying different things. Some mm-hmm. paid more than others and they're kind of grandparented in, you know, they got abuelo in. And so they're like maybe paying a certain rate or other. But about a year and a half ago, I guess it was the beginning of 2018. We did get in touch with some clients and say, you know what, we're going to ask you to pay a little bit more to get us all up to around the same level so that we're charging a similar rate. And now we want to do something else. And I think I would love to hear if y'all are doing this and suddenly I think you are where you're doing kind of a pay it forward fund to you're asking clients to pay more to, to go right back into the community. Uh, We've been talking about trying to do some of that to cover some of those pro bono translations and interpreting gigs we do so that the language worker is always getting paid no matter what they're, who they're doing it for and getting paid at the same rate. And that's something I do want to say our internal rate structure right now is everybody gets paid the same uh, no matter what the gig paid. Because we believe whether you're a contractor or a worker owner, the work is of the same value. We expect the same thing out of you and we're paying the same rate um, out of that a percentage of the total. And so no matter how much we charge, a little we charge, we're really trying to make sure that the worker gets the same rate. And we'll see how that goes. It's an experiment, but it feels good to be able to say that. Um, and then, you know, in terms of charging our clients more or less, we're hoping that we can communicate transparently with them about, well, if you pay this extra more, it's going to go right back into the community, training the next generation of language workers, mm. helping cover the the interpreting we're doing for organizations and groups that can't afford to pay. Uh, I was going to say just around the, um, the, the sliding scale too, like that's something, something that Antenna Houston does. But I think since the beginning, we were very explicit with folks about um, the fact that folks who are able to pay more, like you are subsidizing our solidarity work. Right. And so mm. we, um, we call, we, we don't like to use pro bono because for us, mm. it's not just about doing the work for free. It's doing it with organizations yeah. that share our values, yeah. share our politics, and who are also committed, right? Like, ha- if they had the funds, like, they would be doing this. So we, we look for that commitment to, to language justice as well. And so uh, we're always very upfront for folks, like, hey, if you can play top, if you can pay top rates, like, you're helping us mm-hmm. when we go interpret for this mm-hmm. work and when mm-hmm. we're doing translation. And, and something that we've been doing, which I guess we've just been lucky or, or you know, I, I want to, you know, knock on wood, I don't hmm. want this to change, but <laughs> we ask clients and partners to self-assess. Mm-hmm. So like, we, we don't actually say like, oh, you, this organization over here, you pay this, like, oh, you pay that. Like, we send them our sliding scale rate sheet and, and then they choose, right? And yeah. I would say like 99% of the time, folks are pretty upfront about saying like, you know what, we have the budget, we're going to pay 
the full rate or, you know what, hey, we're struggling this time of year or, you know, this is what our resources look like. And, and you know, maybe we can pay a little bit on this end. So that, that's actually been really cool to be able to re- develop those partnerships when folks are, are pretty upfront and pretty transparent about that um, in terms of the, the funding and, and the rate. And will you tell and me? Actually, oh, go ahead. Dale, dale. I just want to, just real quick, I've, I just spoke a minute ago, but I just want to mm-hmm. say that I appreciate it. We don't really call it pro bono. We call it solidarity. And we like to call it that because it also cuts both ways. Mm-hmm. Our mission is to not only, you know, push for language justice in the North Carolina Triangle region and beyond. It's also to create a dignified livelihood for language workers. And I feel like the communication has been so different in my life now as being a mm-hmm. worker, owner, and a small business compared to being an NGO worker who comes out of the clouds mm-hmm. because they believe in something and the organization mm-hmm. believes in something and that's why you're there, which I think is legit. But now when someone says, why don't they pay you this? And I'm like, because we have to eat? I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, so that whole like, <laughs> oh, yeah. you want to get paid? Oh, okay, I can see that. Not everybody responds to that. There's plenty of folks who just want us to squeeze ourselves dry. And, and maybe they're doing that to themselves too. And we know that's something in our movements where that conversation that is always happening. But we like to talk about it solidarity because we see it cutting both ways for sure. Rocio, do you want to add something? Yes, um, correct. We do solidarity rates um, in the standard rate. And then for translation, uh, we do a rush rate, mm. which is, oh, yeah. um, you know, when they want it like really close by <laughs> yeah. and yeah, pretty much like, <laughs> yeah, mañana, like, you know, and, um, and, mm-hmm. and you have to like really pull the strings and, um, get, you know, everybody in order and push some other projects aside just to get this out. So you all talked about growing in some, in some way that your collectives or co-ops are growing. Can you tell me a little bit about new folks? Like if right now someone wants to join your collective or join your co-op, how does that work? Oh, y'all are all smiling. You have like a... Yeah. <laughs> when, Tony, when Tony said the word bylaws earlier, like I was so triggered. And oh, so like, no. I'm going to let y'all take this first. And oh, then no. I can go. <laughs> I want to hear about this. Oh. Yeah, yeah. For a really long time, it was just like, like, do you want to join? Okay, cool. So yeah. like, yeah, entrale, you know, like you're in. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> and, and I think that, um, and, 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 and just to, to be clear like that, you know, all the folks who, who have come in like are super dope. And, and like, I think we have a really amazing group, but, but it has, like, we have gotten to this point where we're like, oh, shit, like, mm. yeah, like, the, la, the same question you just asked, Ada, like, we are, like, asking ourselves that question. And I think we don't have, like, a, you know, we have a sense of it, but I think that we're still kind of exploring that, right? Because there's a combination of, like, wanting to do the work and having the commitment, but then there's also, like, more, like, pieces around like having that time, the the capacity or the experience to do certain things that are very specific to the work that we do. And so we're trying to find that balance. And, and of course, that's something that like we would look to, um, to y'all for, especially folks uh, like Sintotle and Tilde um, that have more experience with that. But yeah, like that's always been something that we've kind of, I don't want to say like <laughs> intentionally, but maybe like subconsciously always try to avoid. And like now it's like here. <laughs> now we, we, yeah, we're, having to deal with it yeah well i would say that uh, we have been very lucky to be in this area in Asheville, north carolina because i think most of the people we've recruited have gone to the cpc's language justice training 
and thank you CPC <laughs> and so um, that's like already a good indicative um, they've gotten mm-hmm. you know a, a good um, experience uh, firsthand and then um, then otherwise like people just kind of um, either email us or um, they kind of start talking to us and then we just kind of assess and, and uh, like we are a cooperative so we do mm-hmm. things democratically so we bring it to the table for everybody mm-hmm. And, and we say, well, you know, this person's interested. And um, and so we sometimes have, um, you know, uh, tried to get contractors. And so we bring them to mm-hmm. like one of our meetings. Um, we have uh, sometimes interpreter and translator huddles um, <clears throat> just to keep uh, being conscious about like some things that we are doing that need to change or just like learning new things. Mm-hmm. And so we get together and we've invited some of the, the people we've contracted with to kind of like get a sense of what we do, how we do it and, and see if they're a fit, you know? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, so I want to ask you, um, what's the hardest part about being in a co-op or a collective? Uh, building systems <laughs> building and creating systems is, is a pain <laughs> for sure um, I mean it also has to do with our particular context as well so that's just my two cents Tony um, I guess the, the hardest part if I had to put it in that way is having patience around you know getting our cooperative where we want it to be in terms of having all those systems created, like Rocio was just saying, mm-hmm. also sharing the responsibilities equally as a, as a cooperative. I think it's hard because different, everyone has a somewhat transparent, but also somewhat that's your business, like mm-hmm. different life that they're leading, you know, with a different financial picture, different yep, sets yep, of responsibilities, yes. day jobs, <laughs> uh, uh, partners who have better paying jobs and some of us do so they can hold it down you know like i feel like there's so much of that going on that we've been really respectful of each other's needs when we state oh i can't be at said meeting i can't take on x project and x piece and so i think i just have to keep reminding myself like speaking of and jose eduardo trigger warning speaking of bylaws <laughs> like we took Les bylaws and took four months to read them as a group wow. Like, and wow. we sat down for hours each meeting to look through it because we're like, what is this? I don't understand <laughs> what this is. I don't understand what that is. And I remember at every meeting, we had to like remind ourselves and we have at least one like body work healer. We mm-hmm. have two social workers. Like mm-hmm. people were noticing what was happening in the room and we had to remind ourselves, this is going to take as long as it takes. We're doing this intentionally. And I do think that one of the things we do well at Tilde is be really intentional about stuff. Um, and try to create processes in a fair and equitable way. But it takes time. It takes, mm-hmm. and I know they told us this. We asked our friends. <laughs> we asked our friends mm-hmm. in clubs. Like they were like, it takes so much time, uh-huh. it's so much work. And we're like, mm-hmm. I can't see that. I yeah. can't. Oh. <laughs> yeah. oh but we told you so. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, I definitely echo lo que dijo Tony. I just think I, I think for us and in a kind of Houston like as a collective, I think it's especially time, right? Like mm being able to to just define the time to create the time to prioritize the time right to be able to have these conversations because I think we are we are perhaps like in a different phase than what I'm hearing like Rocio and Tony talk about right like those conversations are, are like we're, we're like in the process of planning the time mm-hmm. to have those conversations 
a lot of what we have is, is very different from folks in co-ops because we actually don't, like, we're not a business, mm-hmm. uh, right? Like we, like what ties us to each other is just like the personal trust mm-hmm. and relationship. Like somebody could run off with mm-hmm. the people one day and like, yeah, ya, ya se fue. <laughs> like we don't have a keyboard for Somebody could run off with like a check that, you know, that was supposed to be for the whole crew. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, like there, mm-hmm. there's literally no, nothing like formal or legal that like covers mm-hmm. any of that. Like, so yeah, like we don't even have a joint bank account. Like mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you all that. Like we, there is no joint banking cap bank account. Like we all, there's like, someone has a little bit of money in their bank account. Some of it is with our fiscal sponsor. Some of it is like under a mattress somewhere. No, sir, but like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, but, but yeah, but like that, that has worked for us in the past. Mm-hmm. And so we did it. Yeah. And I think we were assessing like, is it going to continue to work for us? If not, like, let's do something about it. Yeah. yeah. Can I ask, can I ask Eduardo a follow up question? I, I'm just wondering, like we formed co-ops I feel like it's really working for us. It's, it's an exciting mm-hmm. time, but that's a very formal model. Like I think we're saying, um, and, and, and it's so intense that you better really make the right choice and who you want to do it with. And I feel really lucky. We have very different personalities and skills and idiosyncrasies until they, we balance each other out in great ways. Uh, the new folks we're bringing on, I think are going to balance us out in great ways. And the one thing we all share is we trust each other. We're super mm-hmm. gung ho. And when we have conflict, we work it out. You know, one on one, because we actually really care about each other, and and that I don't have any doubts about, and so that keeps it going, and that's really what makes tilde tilde in some ways, and I think that the the other details are important because they're sort of how we work. But I guess my question, because I do have a question for you, Jose Eduardo, is like, <laughs> do do you necessarily have to work towards greater formality, or could it stay this way for you all, mm-hmm. and could that also work? Like, there's not like there's a perfect yeah. goal for every group, and it is a co-op. totally. Totally. Yeah. And, and actually like a year ago, we, we did meet with someone here in Houston who's like, you know, Alberto Loera, he's like a super dope, like co-op OG. And like what he told us was like, mm. he was basically like, what, what are you all doing right now? Is it working? Then mm. keep it like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no, like if, if, it's working, keep it. if it's not working, then yeah. Like maybe, you know, and we're like, wait, I thought you were supposed to convince us to like, I want to know what you all are proudest of uh, in the work that you're doing. Just the work itself Mm. is amazing. Just uh, having gotten this far and, and, you know, um, I make people aware that this uh, work is needed and dignified. And then also just um, the relationship building that we've been able to accomplish. It's it's been great. That's one of the things I'm most proud of for our co-op. Ustedes, compas? I mean, it's, it's so difficult because, I mean, I think there's so much. Um, every, like, basically, like, every gig that we come out of, it's like, wow, like, did you see how, mm. like, you know, this person was able to stand up and, like, share share what they need to say and, like, how these folks who never would have spoken to each other on, or understood each other, like, ever, like, actually were able to have this conversation and, like, you know, there's all those little things, but at the same time, like going back to like what we we're talking about at the beginning of the podcast about how this is, you know, this is becoming big. Like this is like, you know, I, there's organizations and, and conferences that I've been to that, like, I could never imagine that they would actually have not just interpreters because, because like that's not enough. And we know that, but like actually like have the, 
like consciously building like multilingual spaces that are, you know, that are inclusive and that are, you know, more horizontal and that like really see people's dignity in there, regardless of the Mm -hmm. language that they speak. And, Mm -hmm. and so I see that, like, I, you know, again, because I've been doing this work for a while, like, I'm like, Oh shoot. Like that wasn't happening five years ago, 10 years Mm -hmm. ago, like last Mm -hmm. year. And so I think that, um, there, there is like this wave of transformation that I'm really excited for like five, 10 years from now to be able to say like, wow, like that, you know, that, that, that's how far we've come. The stuff that I'm proudest about is being out in the world, doing the work and mm. seeing the work grow around us mm-hmm. and seeing the work change shape without us too. So knowing yeah. that it's, it, we're having such a moment right now that I don't, and I know a lot of people in this work and, and I'm constantly meeting new people and through people like you, Ada, who are, who are putting themselves out there through this podcast and other ways, language justice is finding so many expressions. And it's exciting to be doing to, to be doing the work and seeing that happening beyond our reach. And also, I just want to say, I think what I'm proudest of is we took the risk to form Tilde and it's, re- it's paying off mm-hmm. because now we can do so much more as a crew together. We can do so much more because we hung out our signs saying we're a thing and mm-hmm. it's called Tilde. And we're part of a bigger thing, but we're also a thing. And and we belong to you, Durham community, mm-hmm. North Carolina Triangle community. And people see us over and over and over again. We're at all these little gigs, two hours, one hour, two hours, out in the community all the time. Yeah. We're at those conferences, you know, camping out with organizations. <laughs> we're traveling the region. We're on video conference calls. And so people are seeing our logo and our name and ourselves out there. And people are like, oh yeah, Tilde's here again. Tilde's here again. They're Mm -hmm. part of us. That gives us a form of like accountability back to those communities too, that I feel that we wouldn't have as individuals necessarily because, oh, I'm going to move to Houston now. Uh Oh, I'm going to move to New York now because as an individual, maybe we would make that call. And you can be an individual language justice warrior. We know some really good ones out there, but because we formed a crew and took that risk, I feel like we're able to grow deeper into our community in a way that feels really rewarding and also not scary, but like it gets more real because we're out there all the time, Uh, every week, constantly mm -hmm. in the community and we're being seen and recognized as such. And, and I think that means that it just, it makes it that much more important for us to do our best possible work. And I'm proud to say that we are, we're doing the best work out there. Is there anything else that y'all want to say as we close? What should be said that has not been said? Thank you, Cebes. Escucha, y'all are an inspiration. Pues muchas gracias. Gracias por tenernos aquí. Gracias por el trabajo que que hacen. Claro, gracias por Cebes Escucha. Thank you all so much. Well, you know, you all just said something about doing our best work. And I think like when I I'm like here, like looking, looking at uh, Tony and Jose Eduardo on the on the screen and, and seeing Rocio. And I think when I think about you all, I think about like you all doing your best work. Um, just bring a lot of like high quality with a lot of heart. Um, and so I admire that a lot in the in the three of you. So muchas gracias. Thank you. So thank you so much to our guests. Um, I'm Ada Volkmer of the Center for Participatory Change. Leonel Gutierrez of GBD Productions. 
Please subscribe, rate, like, follow, leave a review, tell a friend, share an episode with someone. Follow Seves Escucha on Facebook and Instagram. On Twitter, we're at SVSE Podcast. You can also email us at svsepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you to the studios of 103.3 Asheville FM, WSFMLP in Asheville. Thank you all for listening. This episode produced by GBD Productions. Music by Combo Chimbita. Chimbita.